Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Time to play the game. It may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. And welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you in on the uh, on this Tuesday evening in the uh, Kia Studios. Going to be with you for the full three. Yes, we are going 7 to 10 now. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much. You want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone. You can use your Alexa speakers. You can use your tablet. Your Polaroid, your Xbox, your Tandy computer, whatever your device is, just download it on something. You'll be able to catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929thegame on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to be a part of the show, follow us on our personal Twitter pages. I'm at JMCH316. That's your water cooler talking points three to six months in advance of anybody else that is out there. Producing the show, as always, day days on the other side of the glass at the D. Lewis for real. Bunch of things to get into with you here uh, this evening. Uh, Let's start with the Atlanta Braves, who did not play well last night. Strider got roughed up again. How about this stat, Day-Day? This is interesting, okay? Since the 1st of June, okay, here's the Braves' starters' ERAs since June 1st, okay? Charlie Morton, 4.09. Spencer Strider, 4.23. Jared Schuster, 5.02. Bryce Elder, 5.07. A.J. Smith-Shaver, 5.12. Michael Soroka, 5.31. Colby Allard, 5.56. And Yanni Shiranos, 7.27. Dylan Dodd has a start since June. His ERA is 11.25 in that start. 
The only guy whose ERA is below four, uh, and by the way, Alan Winans had a start too uh, since June, 4.15 ERA for him in his start. But the only guy who has had a start where he's made a start and has an ERA less than four is Max Freed, who literally just came back for his first start the other day on Friday, right? So I'm not telling you, look, here's the reality. The division's over. There's not a chance in the world that these scuzzbag organizations are going to do anything to overtake the Braves. Sorry. I mean, whether it's the Philadelphia Phillies, whether it's the Fishnets, whether it's the Mutts, you can put whatever team out there. If you put an all-star team of all of those guys together, they're still not catching the Braves. So the division is over, but this is about the bigger picture. And we talked about Elder. I talked about that on my podcast yesterday. Look, you look at his 11 starts, you know, uh, April, March, April, May, and look at his 11 starts afterward, June, July, and one start in August. It's been a real dividing line. And that's true for several pitchers. And when we start talking about, okay, what's your rotation look like in the playoffs? Right now, if you had to, let's say you've got, you can set your rotation up any way that you want. What would your rotation be right now? Would it be Freed, Strider, Morton, Elder? Is that how you would go? Again, it's, it's interesting that the starting pitchers, and look, there was a lot of pressure put on the starters to, to pitch well every night because you were having to fill, basically you had two rotational spots that you had to fill with rookies, vagabonds, bullpen guys, right? I mean, there's a lot of pressure for Morton, Strider, and Elder to keep everything above water. And, yes, they have a great offense, but you saw last night, you know, even five runs in a game wasn't enough to beat the Pirates, for God's sakes. We're not talking about the Dodgers. They let they The Pirates scored seven on them last night. Have the Pirates scored seven runs in a game all year? Anyway, but I, I, I'm not at the point yet where I'm concerned about our starting rotation, but just remember, you can't have too much starting pitching. And by the way, we found that out last year. Remember the, um, you know, Max Freed throwing up in a bucket and Spencer Strider coming back from his oblique, I believe it was, right? Now, by the way, did you see Day Day the the playoff the playoff schedule has been released as far as the dates and times and things like that. So, did you see the bracket for the national either league? Um, did you see the bracket on Twitter or what have you? No, I didn't see it on Twitter. All right. So, the Braves have the number one seed. Okay. They get a buy in the play-in or what I don't even know what you're going to call that. But the first the first series, that that wild card or whatever it is, it would be the it would be the um San Francisco Giants and the Philadelphia Phillies, and the winner of that series takes on the Braves in a short series. And again, we saw Philadelphia 
last year, and they beat Atlanta. Not saying it's going to happen this year, but, you know, ghosts of Leo Mazzoni, you know, it can happen in a short series. So, you know, I, I am a little bit concerned about their starting pitching. I'm not big-time concerned, but I, I'm not concerned about the division. I'm concerned more about when you get against the Dodgers or some of the better teams, you know, in the National League. Again, we're not going to be playing the Pirates and teams like that, but obviously, you know, we need to, you know, see what's going to happen. And Ronnie leads off the game here with uh, – with a uh, with a big fly, so that's good news. So we'll keep you up to date about what goes on with the Braves uh, all night long, uh, until at least until we get uh, out of here. Uh, Falcons had joint practice today with the Miami Dolphins. It is kind of funny the spin. If you're a Dolphins reporter, you spun it one way. If you're a Falcons reporter, you spun it another way. Now we'll talk to our buddy Mike Rostein, um, beat writer for the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN. And uh, we'll catch up with him coming up at 7.40. And uh, we'll talk, obviously, you know, about what's going on leading up into uh, Friday night. Uh, obviously, we did get our first depth chart that was released. I know everybody's going to overreact uh, to depth charts and stuff. But I, I do think that there are a couple of interesting questions coming out of the depth chart having been released. So we'll get into all of that with um, – with Mike uh, coming up at uh, 740. Uh, we'll talk to our friend uh, Jason Longshore as well, coming up at 820. I do want to ask him about the women's national team because it has been a hot topic, and I don't care if you're a soccer fan or not. It's been a hot topic because of you know stances that people are taking, fans' reaction, media's reaction. Like I've seen it from all different sides. You know, here's the thing, and we'll talk about this with Jason, but here's the here's the bottom line net result, Day-Day, okay? You know why it's been such an issue? Do, do you know why? I'm asking you. Because they've been winning. Well, but I mean, why has all of this been an issue now? I don't know. Because they didn't win. Well, yeah. That's why. I mean, none. if you win, a lot of this stuff goes away, Right. You can live with this. You can live with that. You can live with, you know, all the drama and everything. But when you don't win, all of that comes up to the surface. And now everybody takes shots, right? Everybody's got a bow and arrow and starts flinging arrows at people. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care what political spectrum. I don't care what your patriotic spirit is. I don't care, you know, it, it, everybody's firing arrows at every side. Because they've been so dominant and they didn't win. And that's it. That's what so much comes down to. We love winners. That's, that's been the American, right? General Patton, right? And George C. Scott, America loves a winner, right? That's what we love. We love a winner. And the fact that they didn't win brings all of this other stuff up to the surface. So we'll talk to Jason Longshore coming up at the uh, 820 uh, this evening. Uh, back to the Falcons. Uh, Clark Phillips today did get hurt. He did get carted off, but the, the prog- prognosis is good. Only going to be day-to-day. Now, Arthur Smith made a comment about he got kicked when uh, when he was down or something. So I don't – we'll have to dive a little bit deeper into that. But 
Um, but again, it's a situation where they are with Clark Phillips day to day for right now. Uh, hopefully, you know, that'll be sooner than later. We need defensive backs. We already have Jeff Okuda out. Now Clark Phillips, who most likely I I doubt that he will play Friday. Um, I don't think we'll see him Friday. And that's a shame because I want to see multiple defensive backs on that outside at that number two spot to go along with, you know, A.J. Terrell. Just to give you some indication about, you know, what maybe the long-term plan is or, you know, some thoughts about if, you know, obviously, you know, Jeff Okuda is only here for a one-and-done season, you know, are there potential answers longer term? Uh, the staffer who survived that January crash uh, involving Devin Willock and um, uh, the uh, Chandler LaCroix, um, Victoria Bowles, she has been dismissed from the University of Georgia as she refused to cooperate with an internal investigation into the crash. Now, she has sued the uh, university Uh, Her attorneys claim that she is being retaliated against for the filing of the lawsuit, which also names former Georgia player and first-round pick Jalen Carter in that lawsuit. Remember when we tried to tell you that it's not the criminal, it's going to be all of the the civil lawsuits that are going to come after all of these guys? But, um, uh, again, they they fired her. And, look, I mean, you're not going to be able to sue the university and and, and think you're going to retain your job and all of it. I mean, again, I it's it's not even retaliation. It's how do you have somebody on your staff that is not cooperating and they're and they're going to sue you and they're suing you. Like I don't know how you would work that. So again, I understand the spin of you know saying oh she's being retaliated against. That's why they fired her. Well, yeah, you can't sue the school and not cooperate with the investigation and think that that's just going to slide, you know, across the dance floor. I, I don't really um, understand that. But, again, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a crazy situation. It's a very sad situation all the way through. Um, you know, it's, it's just terrible. And nobody's going to win in this scenario. Uh, there's no winners in this. Uh, there are people that have more to lose, I guess, than – than others or what have you, but still, um, just a bad situation all the way through. So, we'll uh, we'll continue to see what uh, what happens there with these civil lawsuits and stuff that are coming after Jalen Carter in uh, this wreck. So, all right, here's what we got: 404-726-0929. 404-726-0929. That is our phone line. Here's my question for you tonight: So, who shakes out on the opposite side of Ebicady? Dupree, Harrison, Carter, Malone. Who's the guy that's going to ultimately shake out to play on the other side of Arnold Ebicady? 404-726-0929. Chuckery hanging out with you in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 929 The Game, Odyssey.com app. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. 
Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game back at a Chuck Show, hanging out in the Key Studios on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That's our phone line. It's also our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Asking you the question, who's going to ultimately shake out opposite on the opposite side of Arnold Ebicati? Dupree, Harrison, Carter, Malone, or do you have somebody else? I mean, Adi Ogundeji, I mean, is that is that even realistic or what have you? Uh, very quickly, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. homered in the first inning to lead off the game. So Braves are up one nothing here very quickly. You know, when I look at this question, I think that the person who starts off the year playing opposite Arnold Ebicady is not going to be the person who is there all 17 weeks. And and I say that because I think I think personally Bud Dupree is probably the leader in the clubhouse right now for that spot. But I could see at some point a Zach Harrison overtaking him if he can step his game up. Now, look, you know, they would be it would be very interesting to see a rookie and a second year guy as our two outside backers, given the fact that we haven't played a lot of our rookies and stuff like that, you know, when when they've had a chance. And I understand it's a Dean Pease defense versus now Ryan Nielsen's defense, but obviously we did not play a lot of our rookies really at, at many positions, you know, London and Pitts because they were so highly drafted, but our second round and beyond picks, unless you were have to, you know, having to play forced into duty. You know, we saw Richie Grant and Ebba Katie last year. Like those guys did not play nearly enough. So I think for now it's going to be Bud Dupree, but I could see that turning into Harrison or maybe even Carter, you know, Bud Dupree's a guy that's been very, uh, how do you say, like under the radar, just 
from a standpoint of there hasn't been a whole lot of news that's been talked about with Bud Dupree. It's been pretty quiet with him, you know, this offseason. Again, after they signed him, you know, we haven't talked a whole lot about him. And, you know, we had D-Let on, what was that, about a month or two ago, and he said that he thought maybe Dupree could be a casualty when all was said and done. Bleacher Report had an article that uh, proclaimed him the biggest bust, uh, potential bust for the Atlanta Falcons. And obviously he's not been as productive as in years past, right? He's only got seven sacks in the last two years. But he's obviously a veteran. He he knows he knows Arthur Smith, one to play here. But if you can't, you know, if you can't be productive enough, then it doesn't really matter. So I think for now that the leader in the clubhouse for this is Bud Dupree, but I think that can change. And I would love to see Zach Harrison, who, you know, again, I've watched Zach Harrison a pretty good bit. And, you know, we talked about this on the show as he's a guy that if he wants to be great, he'll be great. Right? At times it was, I don't want to say his motor, but just, I don't know, maybe his motivation or something. But, again, he was a highly touted prospect coming out of the kind of north of Columbus, just kind of northeast of the Columbus, Ohio area. Decided to play for Ohio State, five-star recruit, so he was a top-flight guy. But, you know, again, he he did some good things, but also probably could have been better. And he was a second-team All-Big Ten player. If he's motivated and ready to go, I would love to see him try to win that spot eventually. I would love to see him win that spot. So I think for now... Dupree is the fallback, but I'm hoping that Zach Harrison could figure his way out. And as far as Lorenzo Carter goes, you know, Carter played 75% of the snaps last year. He played a huge percentage of snaps, maybe more than what he should be playing. But the Falcons really didn't have a whole lot of choices. You know, so they had to play the guys that they had on their roster. But I wonder how much, what the role is going to be for Lorenzo Carter. And... Is there a legitimate, you know, we'll ask Mike Rothstein this, is there a legitimate competition for that other outside linebacker spot? I don't think Zach Harrison's in the mix right now, and I don't think that D'Angelo Malone is in the mix. I think it comes down to Bud Dupree or, um, you know, Lorenzo Carter. So, again, and and we had somebody say that, you know, that Carter is, or sorry, uh, Dupree is listed as a starter. Yes, he's listed as the starter going into the very first depth chart. Again, B. John Robinson is listed third on the depth chart. I'm not buying into depth charts and things like that other than just asking the question, how much of a competition is there, you know, what have you. But still, I think Dupree right now is the leader in the clubhouse for that spot. Because, again, you have to, you have to play Arnold Ebicady right? Start him all 17 weeks. Barring an injury or barring he just falls off a cliff, you have to start Arnold Ebicady. Like, why did you draft him in the second round to be a pass rush specialist if he's not going to start all 17 weeks? So there should not be 
and I know Arthur Smith is going to say that there's always competition or this, that, and the other, but there shouldn't be any competition unless Evacati just is not the guy. There should not be competition for who's going to have one of those spots on the outside. If if Evacati can't win that spot, you're in trouble. Because I don't know that there's a a fallback guy that you can look at and say, well, that guy could potentially give us eight to ten sacks. I don't think I don't think any of those guys, even Bud Dupree. Yes, Bud Dupree has been a double-digit sack guy. How long ago was that? And how how much older is he? And you know, again, seven sacks in two years. You know, I I'm I'm not counting on him to get back up to eight. I mean, I think his career high is eleven and a half sacks. Not counting on that kind of season after seven in the last two years. And by the way, for a team that would take all the sacks they could get in the yeah, Tennessee Titans, but again, we're we're even more desperate than that. So. I, I want to see, I, I want to hope that Zach Harrison can at some point maybe take over that job. And and we'll see if Ryan, how much Ryan Nielsen works him into a rotation. That is a place where, unlike your offensive line, you are not going to rotate guys in and out. But on your defensive line, you're going to rotate guys in and out. You're going to have rotational guys that are going to play on the inside of your defensive line and as your outside linebackers. And part of that will be, you know, as far as particular skill sets, you know, if you don't want Bud Dupree dropping back in pass coverage and you want Lorenzo Carter to drop back in pass coverage, what have you, you know, or if you decide to slide Michael Walker to the outside a little bit and let him play in pass coverage, I mean, again, you'll you'll rotate and mix those guys all around. And, you know, again, when we talk about in today's NFL – if you're going to have that big-time sack guy, you almost have to have a running mate with him, right? I mean, Miles Garrett's had Jadavion Clowney and other guys. Bosa's had, you know, guys around him that could sack the quarterback. You feel like you have to have that running mate. And that's part of why, too, that I think Dupree is the most likely choice, partly because he can also get pressure on the quarterback. I don't know... I don't know that Lorenzo Carter's specialty is getting pressure on the quarterback at all times. I mean, he had, again, you know, not last year, but the year before, you know, again, he finished pretty strong down the stretch for the Giants, but he didn't replicate that. It didn't, it didn't transfer year to year, and it didn't replicate that same kind of success. Now, again, he did have, I think it was four sacks for the Falcons, so it wasn't like a complete bust. I mean, it wasn't Tack McKinley-level types of production, but still, I think I was hoping for more you know, given the way his season of previous year ended with the uh, with the Giants. And I think, if I remember right, I think he had six sacks in the second half of the year uh, for the Giants, which is that's pretty good production, you know, in a, you know, in a eight, nine game sample size, you know, I guess eight games in that year uh, sample size, where if you get six sacks, okay, it begs the question about where was he the first part of the year. But again, you want that running mate for Ebicady. And I still think at some point you're going to have to draft one of the – well, I, I don't think. I know you're going to have to draft one of those first-round pass rush fire breathers, right? We talked about this. 70% of the top 10 career active sack leaders. 70% of the top 20 career active sack leaders. 70% of the top 25 career active sack leaders are all first-round pick. The overwhelming majority 
of players that sacked the quarterback in today's NFL. Not talking about in 1964. Not talking about when Mark Gastineau was playing. I'm talking about in today's NFL, currently, most of your top-tier guys are first-round draft picks. That's where you find those fire breathers and those guys to be able to come off the edge. The more you look at the advanced analytics, the more you see how valuable sacks are. And- well, we don't we don't do that though, do we? I mean, I mean, we're not necessarily in the sack business. I mean, we can we can dream about all that, but you know, we're not quite there yet with it. So, so again, um, you know, and again, we'll ask Mike about Bud Dupree because it's been pretty quiet. Like we have not heard a whole lot about Bud Dupree. You know, I, I talked about it on my podcast this morning. You know, two guys that we've not really heard much about. And I had to bring this up to Mike last time. We talked Jalen Mayfield. Like, we've not heard a peep about Jalen Mayfield. And we talked about that with Torrey last night. Because, again, he's still a third-round pick that was a 17-game starter a couple of years ago. Is he even in the mix for anything? I know he's not going to start over McGarry, but is he even in the mix for anything? Or is he going to be a guy that you're going to look at and he's going to be a casualty of this roster? Like, he's going to be a guy that – is not going to make this roster. Because at that point, it's like, you know, what a waste. I mean, that that's a complete waste of a draft pick at that point. So, again, I, we Bud Dupree and Jalen Mayfield, two guys that we've just not really heard a whole lot about, two guys that we've not really gotten any kind of insight as to how things are really going or have any kind of spotlight um, that's been on them. Obviously, Bergeron's got all the spotlight on him and Hennessy because of the injury. But Bergeron with all the spotlight on him because, again, he's projected to at some point, maybe even if it's not right away, but at some point we hope that he can be a starting left guard in the NFL and a capable guard at that. I mean, not just a guy who's a hobo, you know, not not the Jalen Mayfield level play, not some guy who's just, just a bum, but a guy who can actually be a contributor to this offensive line. So, again, Dupree is a guy that – I think right now is the leader in the clubhouse, but I, I I wonder how much that job is open. How open is that job? How much competition is there at that other defensive outside linebacker, I guess, edge spot, whatever you want to call it, for, for this team? Because Ebicady is, is going to have to have some help. I don't know that Ebicady is a guy that by himself is just going to accumulate 10, 12, 14 sacks without having a running mate on the other side of him. And I'm not sure that there is a a lot of great options, but there are guys that are at least, you know, somewhat productive, if not even sacking the quarterback, at least have some other skill sets and things to contribute uh, to this team. So, all right, when uh, we come back, we'll talk to Mike Rothstein, get his uh, thoughts about all of this. Chuckery hanging out with you in the Kia Studios. On Sports Radio 929 The Game, Odyssey.com app.
Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Well, Falcons down in Miami for their first joint practice with the Dolphins. And, of course, they get ready for Friday night action in Miami. First preseason game of the year. Yes, it is here just a couple of days away. Falcons will practice with the uh, Dolphins coming up tomorrow as well. Here to help us uh, break it all down, let's head out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy Michael Rothstein. He covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN. ESPN.com is where you can check out all of his work, and he is on Twitter, and I'm calling it Twitter, at Mike Rothstein. Mike, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes on the show tonight. Yeah, no problem. You should be calling it Twix. That's what I'm calling it. Now. Oh, okay. Hey, that's not a bad name. Uh, all right, I'm, I know, I'm, right? I'm trying. I'm trying to start a trend here because if I can somehow get it trademarked, then I feel like uh, I can maybe get some of that money. Well, is it, uh, is it there yeah, a candy no, bar? I'm calling it Twix. Yeah, is it there a candy bar that's already got that name to it? So there is, but okay. you know, no one's no okay. one's stopping me here. Okay. okay. All uh, right. So all far, right. the Twix, the big big Twix, has not come after me as I've <laughs> talked about it on ESPN Radio and I've talked about it on. On uh, on Twitter, so yeah, Twix it is. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's dive deep and heavy into depth charts. Now, I mean, look here. Here's the thing. I'm interested. I, I was just talking about this in the last segment on the show. Obviously, Ebicady is going to be one of your outside linebackers. How much of a competition is there with Carter or Zach Harrison or Bud Dupree? I mean, obviously, Dupree was listed. You know, first on the depth chart, but how much competition is there so far in camp with that other outside linebacker spot across from Ebicady? All right, a couple things. First off, any depth chart that's released, take it with the finest grain Mm -hmm. of the smallest salt Mm -hmm. because more often than not, that depth chart is not even necessarily compiled by – it's not from the coaching staff. It's compiled by the people doing the the media – release like uh, sometimes sometimes not but i take zero stock in that i take stock in what i see with my eyes mm-hmm. so i know Bijan robinson is listed as the third string running back there well first of all if you paid any attention at all and i'll get back to your question in a second i just want to make a point to, to your listeners if you paid any attention at all you know that Bijan robinson is going to play a lot he might not play a lot necessarily on friday night we'll see but he's going to play a lot this season. He's going to have a massive role for the Falcons. So don't, don't freak out. Don't flip out. Don't be like, what are they doing? Breathe. To use words of the great Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. And don't stress about it. All of that said, I would also not stress about that who's listed at outside linebacker. Yes, Arnold Abiquete will have a fairly large role. So will Bud Dupree. Still will in certain situations, Lorenzo Carter, Michael Walker, even in certain situations, might line up at outside linebacker. I do not anticipate Zach Harrison to be an outside linebacker. To me, he's more of a hand-in-the-ground defensive end at this point. seems to me that's where he's been starting, but uh, he also hasn't really gotten much work on the first field. So I'll be honest, I haven't been able to watch a ton of him yet because oftentimes I'm paying attention to what's going on on the first field. Uh, and, and when I say that for your listeners – they, they sometimes will split between two fields. Your vets are on the first field, usually your first, second team guys, and then your rookies, your guys, maybe vets who have a real long shot to make the team, are often working on the, the second field. 
and that that's just kind of how they've operated for a while. Now, eventually some guys will move over, and, and we'll see what that looks like. So that's a long answer for saying I'm not – I wouldn't stress about it, buy in, worry about it yet, because also they've had Calais Campbell back for two seconds, and we'll see how that shakes out. And maybe they've had Lorenzo Carter down, and he might be up a little bit more now that Calais Campbell is back. So there, there's a whole bunch of stuff that can and, and will happen, so I would not freak out about any of it. How much, um, you know, Keith Smart or Keith Smith, I should say, is another guy that's interesting. He's played about 25% of the snaps the last couple of years. How much of a role do you think he's going to be in this offense for this team with, with all of the plethora of running backs that they have? How much do you think that they're going to use Keith, Smart, Keith Smith? Is he going to be a guy that still plays? Man, you keep saying Keith Smart. And yeah, you're, just kill, you're killing my six-year-old heart uh, as somebody who went to Syracuse. Yeah, so just, okay. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I, I, I remember Steve Alford more than anybody, but uh, that's another story. So, uh, But but how much, how much do you think Keith Smith factors into this offense in the running game? Uh, and that's probably the answer that yeah. – that, no, and that's not – I think he'll play some for sure because there will be times when they'll want a fullback, but the difference here is they could make Johnny Smith an H-back if they want to. They could put Parker Hesse back in that situation. Heck, they could put Cordero Patterson back there if they wanted to in a fullback role. What you saw Keith Smith do the last couple of years in this offense is fullback and then motion out to kind of an H-back or an offset tight end type of situation. Again, multiplicity. Again, versatility. But Keith Smith's biggest role ends up being as a core special teams player. That's where Keith Smith makes his money. That's how Keith Smith ends up on this team. And that's the role that Keith Smith plays. I, I would imagine, and listen, we don't know this for sure, but I would imagine as long as Arthur Smith is coaching a football team, they'll have some sort of fullback. And it'll be in part because there's a role there in in this offense. Now, that fullback has to be able to play special teams. That's the biggest thing with, with that position, and that's going to be the majority of his role, and that's, frankly, how he's hung around in the league for 10 years because he's had, been a core special teamer wherever he's been. How, I wouldn't freak out about how much Keith Smith's going to be a part of the offense because this offense is going to be so versatile, and they're going to be in a situation where they're going to have so many different looks and so many different sets and so many different options out of their different personnel groupings that Keith Smith may be a fullback, but he also may end up as an offset tight end type of situation like we saw last year. Or Johnny Smith may go from being the second tight end and then motion back into being a fullback. Like, well, there's just so many different things they can do. Um, but I would imagine at this point, and again, we'll see what this roster construction looks like, but Keith Smith probably ends up being their fullback. But again, it's because of special teams. Mike Rothstein joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN and ESPN.com. How much do you think that Taylor Heineke is going to play come Friday night? I mean, are we going to see really mostly all Logan Woodside when all is said and done? I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I'm not with the team in Miami. I'm still here in weather-confused Atlanta. And... I, I would just say that, yeah, he's going to play. I, I would be shocked if they didn't play him. Um, how much he plays on Friday, I don't know, because I'm not there watching the joint practices, so I can't tell how much work they're getting. Because the joint practices generally have them 
teams then will not necessarily run their, their starters, even some of their key players out there a lot in that game because they got the work that they wanted to. So we'll see, but I would imagine let's for argument's sake, say Desmond Ritter plays a couple series. Let's, let's say that that happens and maybe he plays a quarter. Who, who knows? I, I can't imagine playing more than that. I would think Taylor Heineke at that point gets at least the rest of the first half, if not the, the third quarter as well, depending on how that goes. And, and then they turn to Logan Woodside. Because here's the other thing. Logan Woodside has a little more experience in this offense than Taylor Heineke. And you want to get mm-hmm. Taylor Heineke experience in running the vanilla, not necessarily game-planned offense that they're going to be running. So I, I think we'll see him a decent amount. I imagine we'll see him in every preseason game, frankly. And it, it may be his ball uh, in, in P3. Or, or even his ball for the first half, unless they decide to just roll with Logan Woodside for the entire game. Mike, what are a couple of things that you're looking for on Friday night? I mean, obviously, is this will be, as you said, very vanilla. What are you looking for on Friday night specifically? Yeah, I mean, first thing will be how many quote-unquote starters play and how much they play. Uh, and the most important thing, and I've said it on your show before, I think anyone who listens, the most important thing with preseason for guys who are on roster spots one through 40, stay healthy. That's the biggest win that you can get out of preseason for guys that you know are going to be on the team or have really good shots to be on the team. So that's step one. Do they get out of it healthy? Step two, I'll be watching now Clark Phillips. I know got hurt today. Sounds like the athletics Josh Kendall reported he'll be day-to-day. So I can't imagine he'd necessarily play on Friday because why rush it back at that point? But I want to see some. I want to see a guy like Darren Hall. How, how does he look? I want to see what Nate Landman looks like. And you're like, well, why are you mentioning these guys? Because these are guys who, to me, are roster bubble guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want to see if Trey Flowers plays well. I want to see if Trey Flowers looks in, in a game setting because we know what AJ Terrell looks like. But Trey Flowers, depending on how long Jeff Okuda's out, might have to start a couple games for you here. So you, you want to get a sense of, of what that looks like, what he looks like. I want to see what a guy like Zach Harrison looks like. If Matthew Bergeron plays, which I imagine he would, I want to see what he looks like. Kyle Pitts, if they play him, uh, I want to see how, how he's running, how he handles a hit if he gets hit. Though those are the things I'm going to be looking at because those are kind of the questions we have right now. And then the, the last part of it would be how – if the starting offensive line plays, how they work together, how, if the starting – what defensive linemen play more than others. And then, frankly, the last thing is uh, punt return. Uh, I want to watch that battle because that, to me, is one of the true open battles that they have right now. And I'm not sure who's going to win that battle. Uh, I think that – and we won't know that until we see it in games. So that, and then I would lastly say this, Frank Darby. Frank Darby's had a heck of a camp so far. Mm -hmm. If he can translate that to games, he's probably giving himself a roster spot, and that might, other than the punt return job, may close off the receiver position quicker than we think in terms of numbers. So I want to see what Frank Darby does, because to me, he's been one of the standouts at camp. Mike Rothstein covers the Atlanta Falcons for ESPN. Check out his work at ESPN.com, and he's on Twix at Mike Rothstein, <laughs> and join me here on the WadeFord.com hotline. So we're, we're going we're gonna to make that a gimmick now. We're, we're going to make it a gimmick, Absolutely. Mike. Yes. I, I love it. Listen, you know, I'm not the one who tried to rebrand this as X. No, no, I'm not blaming uh, you. 
I can blame you for a lot of things. I can blame you for a lot of things, but I'm not blaming you for that. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I came up with it (laughs) last week. I've been saying it on ESPN radio. uh, You know, I know this isn't an ESPN affiliate, so hopefully I don't get, you know, banhammered for saying that. But I've been saying it on ESPN radio where I I do a lot of film work, and it's kind of stuck, and I I twixed it. uh, Because I don't know what you call twixed it. I don't don't know what you call that. I'm still workshopping that. But but Twix it is, Chuck. All right. <laughs> Appreciate it, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. Yep, you got it. You, you know, I uh I'll piggyback off. I, I'm I am really interested to see what Jalen Mayfield looks like. I really am. I mean, I I want to see if this guy can play. Because the last time we saw him play was not good. Right? I mean, obviously he missed all of last year and was out for pretty much the entire season. Um, I, I think he even missed most of training camp, all right? I think I think he even missed most of camp and preseason. I want to see if Jalen Mayfield's a player or not. I want to see if he is a guy that deserves to be on the roster because, again, when we talk about roster bubble people, Jalen Mayfield's on that list. He, he's on the list of guys who may potentially be on a roster bubble, that he may be a guy that – ends up being a casualty when all is said and done if they think that some of their other offensive linemen, you know, can can handle the job. But it's not a matter of him fighting for a starting job or anything like that. It's a matter of him just trying to even make the roster. And I'm going to be curious that if he's going back out to his natural position of tackle, does he look more comfortable? If we see him at tackle, does he look more comfortable? Does he look like he can handle it? You know, again, it it wasn't very good in his rookie year, and obviously he was thrown into a tough situation that, you know, because of injury, he was put right into the starting lineup, out of position and all that. But the net result is, and the NFL is a net results business, the net result is he was dreadful. He was arguably the worst interior offensive lineman in the NFL. He was certainly the lowest graded interior offensive lineman in the NFL and arguably the worst. So now that it is his confidence shook or, you know, coming back to playing his natural position of tackle, is he a guy that can, that can re kind of, I guess what I want to say, get his career back on track. So that's one of the things that I want to see. D Alford's another guy. And Arthur Smith has talked about D Alford a good bit in training camp. I want to see what he can do out there. And I want to see some of their other defensive backs. D. Alford, Cornell Armstrong is another guy. You know, he was put in – you talk about bad situations. How bad was the situation Cornell Armstrong was put into? A.J. Terrell goes down, and Cornell Armstrong has to go in and cover Jamar Chase. Like, who was going to win that battle, right? I mean, that was ridiculous. And I'm not blaming him. And by the way – as he got acclimated and played more, he actually played pretty well. But it's going to be that indelible memory of, well, he got to go against Jamar Chase right out of the bat. Well, nobody's stopping Jamar Chase. I'm not even sure if A.J. Terrell can stop Jamar Chase. But to that point, I want to see if Cornell Armstrong is a guy that's improved. Because, again, without Okuda, we have to start looking at some of these guys as to, look, who knows what the health over the course of the year is going to be for Jeff Okuda. This may be just a temporary setback and everything becomes great and he starts all 17 games, 
or if it's been like in his career with the Detroit Lions, he's getting beat up, banged up, and bonged around. And we're going to have to have guys, you know, besides Jeff Okuda that can play outside corner. I want to see as many of those guys as I can to get my eyes on those guys to see who can handle some of those jobs. All right, when we come back from the top of the hour, we'll be time for the Falcons flyover. Giving you, I'm going to give you the top earners all time for the Atlanta Falcons. I saw this stat today. Chuck, we hanging out in the Kia Studios. Tuesday night with you. Sports Radio, 19 on the game, odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.